You're starting the recording. Good. You're, yes. so, te you're so technological on your side of the country. I just really appreciate uh, Well, that's because you don't know how to push the play button. And I, you know, it's like, no, what's play. this thing? That's the problem. Don't hit play. Hit record. Record <laughs> differently than play. Anyway. <laughs> Podcast 11. Gripping oh, reality. Oh. Get a grip. I mean, you need really, you should. You ought to get a grip on reality. In my opinion, in my you opinion, should honor us. I understand that. Get a grip on reality. Gripping reality is the name of this podcast. West Coast Mike, East Coast Mike. You figure out which one is which one. But I'm West Coast. No, wait a minute. Today You're I'm East Coast. Coast. <laughs> but I was in the West, West. earlier today. So, anyway, today, podcast 11, and our topic is the hottest topic of the day, which was yesterday, day before yesterday, whenever, this week, the uh, enthusiastic supporters of the previous administration decided that they were going to make their voices heard in the Capitol, um, and they, they crossed the thresholds and the window uh, lintels to enter the Capitol in force and uh, and overtook the count of the vote. So that is a first, metaphor. First it's time, a, first time the Capitol's been breached since 1812. Yeah, and the British did that to us. And we have some British right. friends who actually might be watching and we love you personally. But you set a precedent <laughs> it took us 108 years to catch up to. So the reality yeah. is the events of the le this week will go down the history books as history. This is part of now our history. And the, the issue that we're raising today is not whether Trump was a good president, a bad president, the absolute best president, the utter Absolutely. worst president, or Joe Biden is any of the above, or any other president subsequent or previous to this administration. We asked two questions on this podcast. As a matter of fact, if you get these two questions, I probably should not say this and I'll be chided for it, which is a good verb. I will be chided for that by my counterpart. If you get these two questions, you don't need to listen to us anymore because this is all we really have to say. Lots of other things that we might want to communicate over time. But these are the two questions. What is the event, the experience, the moment, the emotion? What is the thing? I hate that word, but it's all inclusive. What is this doing to you? And second question. What are you going to do about it? What, what can you do about it? Those really are What's the two questions when an event occurs i don't care what it is flat tire on the way to an important meeting flat tire in your driveway and you have no important meaning right. doesn't make any difference right. when you walk out and you encounter an event what does that do to you now you can blame everybody else you can talk around and around in circles as to who set you up where did it come from what is everybody else in the world thinking about but if you want to get to the point where you're resolving issues that are really important, working through them, getting a grip on your reality, these two questions are the ones that are going to be vital. What is this doing to me? What am I going to do with it? 
So that takes you in two different directions. It takes you not so much into the deep, deep past, but into the current event that you are dealing with. What does this do to me right now? What's it engaging? What's it connecting with? What's it violating? Where's the friction? Where's the, the challenge? The, the, where's the joy? Whatever your reaction is, whatever your thoughts are. And the second question moves you into an intentional future. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do about it? What can you do with it? So we're talking about the challenges and conflicts the friction that arises where friendships are dissolved, family events are broken up. In fact, families are separated and won't speak to each right. other. Right. Very churches right. are being split apart. Organizations, service organizations like Rotary or Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or uh, food shelves, uh, political council, doesn't matter what it is, human beings have really divided opinions, viewpoints, cultures on this. And, and it's not just mere diversity, it's actual division. Both diversity and division both start with DIV, but after that point, they're very, very different. Yep, that's right. That's so right. what and we're what talking is, about. What, well, yeah, and what's, what's happening is this, uh, we, we've talked about before, and we're going to continues this us and them antagonistic protagonistic kind of thing that's going on and somehow in our thinking as a as a culture as a civilization if you will it it has become disjointed we've lost that deep sense of community and the angst about what do you mean by community they've lost community what does that mean that, that word of the community of the sense of being able to come together with the diverse perspectives of life well we have a common dignity towards each other that says i value you it doesn't really matter what your opinions are but i value you as a person and so my response to you what can i do about it is my response to you is one that's dignified, that is one that is trying to understand, that is one that says there are greater values over the one that I'm trying to do from a, from a standpoint of politics or whatever. The greater value is the value of you. All right, and so before, wait, wait. Before we start talking about healing the division or celebrating the diversity before we start talking about that split do we need to start talking about how do you create your values of people because i think you're right people say i don't value you i don't i don't want to give the other side dignity because if i do i'm saying your opinion or your view or your stance is right or at least valid and and i'm encountering right, people who say i don't exactly. want to even communicate that so it's not that right. your idea is worthless it's the value of you are worthless right. do we need to start and this conversation there yeah i think we do i think we need to back up because 
that's gotten us into this whole sense of us and them. We've lost the concept of dignity and that how have we gotten, where, where did this come from? How did we get to this point of, of the fact that somehow this group of people or my viewpoint or all of this perspective the value is much higher than the dignity of the individual. And where did that come? How did we get there? So what's your theory on that? Where did that come from? When did that start? When did you start experiencing the reduction of the value of persons and the ascension of the value of a viewpoint? Or even if we say the ascension of values in separation, we'll call that, if it becomes very rigid, it's their culture, personal culture. So where does the rise of personal culture replace or interfere with the value of persons? When do you see that starting? Well, we're going to give a little... I mean, other with Adam and Eve. I mean, we can yeah, go yeah, all the way back to the beginning. We're going to give a little cultural socialization, sociology lesson here on right. how this stuff comes together. Okay, students, get your note paper out. There's going to be a quiz on this. Exactly. Professor Mike and is going to start doing sociology class. It's only going to last about five minutes. Go. Yeah, it's it's nothing. You know that probably you don't know, but you don't know it. What people don't understand is if you go back and we look at let's just take let's take a look at how law has been developed over the last uh, since, and I would say probably safely we can go back to. Uh, after the World War II, at the beginning of, of the 50s. How law? Um, L-A-W? L-A-W, and how... Are we going back to Hammurabi? Are we doing Sumerians, ancient no, Egyptians? No, no we're not no, going no, that far back. We're going 1950s. Okay, 1950s. And moving to the... So what happens in sociology is that there is a sociological norm that's considered the center of where we're at. I know a guy. Yeah, right. So then, <laughs> excuse me, what happens is that there becomes a change, what we would call abnormal, or a change that pushes the pendulum to the left or the right, depending on the value structure. All right, give me, a, give me an example. I, you lost hi, me. Okay, hyper-conservatism or hyper-liberalism. Uh, okay. Okay, but so, I need a topic. What's a topic? Uh, let's use, um, uh, what can I use that? that Al alcohol uh, use? Yeah, that'll work. So, so the pendulum use, swung to prohibition. Prohibition in the 30s, which was nobody should have a drink or drop. Not okay. a bit. Not a single not a drop. Bit. Then it it's swung illegal. Back. You can be put in jail for producing or even owning or uh, possessing alcohol. So sociologically, what happened is that our society swung way over here. Right. But it never comes back to center. All right. It never comes back to the norm that was there before. Okay. So what it does is it swings most of the time, like halfway back. Now we have prohibition. We have all of those things that are going with it. Some of the hyper ultra conservative stuff is being disregarded. Then what happens? We swing to the left because prohibition's not working. And people are, you know, they're bootlegging, they're doing all of the things. We've got all of the racketeering, we've got 
you know, Al Capone, we've got all those people. So now the country is swinging to the left and wanting to make everything free. And so what you're, what you're saying is Democrats are drunks. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> we are not saying that. Don't so, take that we, one we clip out and put it on Facebook yeah. and say, these guys think all yeah. Democrats are drunks. We don't think that. Just well, most of them. What happens is it doesn't swing back to the middle again. It swings halfway back. That's the new norm. Well, when we use the metaphor of a pendulum, pendulums swing left and right and left, right? They never stop in the middle. Right. But in this, from this picture, now we have the new norm, which is that the clock has stopped. We're in the middle, but it's the middle from this side, from the left, not where we were before. And so that's how culture, when, when we start down that road of developing, um, I would say when you start developing um, principle and value based on opinion and not based on something else that is more concrete, that has more substance to it, then we get into what? We get into the 60s. And what was the 60s? Fun. What happened in the 60s? Yeah. And it was what? Yeah. It was all about me. Experiences and fun Experience. and wild. Right. Yeah, it was all about rock and roll. It was about sex. It was about drugs. It was anti-authority, anti-anything establishment. I mean, you remember those phrases? I remember those phrases. Uh, I learned how to spell anti-disestablishmentarianism as the longest word in the English language. Exactly. And now it's pneumoneutral microscopic silicovolcanocaniosis. And the problem is kids who are just learning how to spell cat... <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I'm not making those words up. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I mean, there's there's certain words <laughs> that just are necessary to work into your vocabulary just so you have an intelligent sound. <laughs> and COVID creates pneumoneutral microscopic silicovolcanocaniosis. Actually, that's from people who live near volcanoes that blow up and they get lung disease. <laughs> okay. I'm feeling much better about this. Great. I'm so enlightened. Okay, so consequently, though, what what happens? Well, in the 60s, and, and the pendulum swung, and it never came back, and then it kept swinging, if you, if you will, from the point, you know, if you, from my, you say, when did this start? I would say it started at the time when there was a revolt against the established bedrock of principle against the family, I mean, all those things that were, that were, that are, and are, that had kept us as a country and as a culture centered on the dignity of, of individual in the community. And so we began to chip away at that full sense of, and well, you can't tell me what to, what to do. And because if you tell me what to do, then I, I mean, I can't tell you what to do because then you could tell me what to do and I want to do whatever I want to do. Over and that becomes a very, very slippery slope when it comes 
to civilization. Because at what point do we finally say if there's not some bedrock? And that's the thing that's happening right now is that people are yelling and literally are up in arms about the you know, what the Constitution says. And they are fearful because they feel like no one is listening. And, and what happened to us... Uh, but no one is listening. I mean, part what you're quoting from the Constitution. Here's the here's one of the issues. How many people who are at this point of division, not just diversity, but division, actually have read and understood the words of the Constitution? We oh. were, you know, we have people that are the claim right now is we're in a constitutional crisis. Who actually knows? what a constitutional crisis is so back exactly. up is is uh there was a show on in the 80s or 90s called malcolm in the middle and malcolm in the middle yeah. had as its phrase you're not the boss of me it was the kid who's in the middle right. and it said to his siblings and his parents and his teachers right. and everybody in the world you're not the boss of me you can't tell me what to do so the whole problem in American culture is Malcolm in the Middle. If that show had never been on TV, we would not have this problem. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, no. the The problem would still be there. So that because, was an expression of the problem. Well, yeah, but it's just like it's just like okay. Uh, a really good example is that we we talk about um, when no one wants no one wants to be under that authority they want to be under rule of law if you will to tell me what to do it's it's very much akin to what um in a home in a family i i'm a teenager and my room is an absolute disaster no one needs to be clean and it's this pigsty and i decide i'm gonna go clean my room right and i get up and i'm getting ready to go because it's my decision to do that and on the way to go clean my room, my mom catches me. And what does she say? You, you'll love this, really need to go clean your room. Now, what do I do at that point? You're and a teenager being, confronting your mother in the hallway who just said you need to clean your room, but you've already was, decided to go clean your room. So you sweetly say to your mother, mom, that's exactly what I was going to do. We have telepathy. We are we are on sync with each other, Mom. This is amazing. I came out of your body. Please don't laugh, Mom. I came out of your body, and we still have this vital connection where you're thinking, clean your room, and I am also thinking, clean my room. And this is one of those great moments in the psychic world of moms and sons, that alignment <laughs> has happened. We call that syzygy. Is that what you're saying? No. No? Because I, that would not even begin to enter, <laughs> enter anything in that conversation because you would have done a 180 at that point and walked <laughs> in the opposite direction and left the house. <laughs> With my mom screaming behind me so yeah. the neighbors can hear? Screaming, and you slam the door. <laughs> and she's saying, don't you dare walk away from me. And so as neighbors are looking out the window and I say, moms, you know what they're like. And they all nod their heads. That's the breakdown of society. <laughs> exactly. That's okay. It, right? Simple <laughs> solution. 
Every child should wear a uniform to school. Now you only need to have one set of clothes. Your room will never be a mess again. Oh. I have solved the world's problems. Oh, God. Man, no? If anybody actually listens to this thing, Chris, <laughs> it will be amazing. <laughs> we probably just lost them. <laughs> don't leave, really. Please don't Especially leave. Especially the Catholics. Make... The Catholics that have to wear uniforms to school. <laughs> The girls have all these different color hair ties just so they can have individual <laughs> Who rolls their Catholic socks down far on their legs so their legs show? They're wearing the proper all socks. Right, enough. Stop. The weeds. Stop. Right. Really? Jeez. Really. So, but the reality of it is, is that we don't, nobody, Wait, nobody let's wants get to be back. told what to do. Wait, we got to go back to the original conversation, which is not okay. the division. We're talking about the value of persons and how does a value become established in a person's life so that that actually affects their behavior. I mean, one of the things we teach about the complexes is that our perceptions interact with our emotions and our emotions are a link into our motivations. Right now we're talking about the motivation of value and how we look at other persons who are not in our homogenized group. Right. Homogenization is really good for milk and right. it is really bad for human society. Right. Because homogenization says everyone who is different from me is eliminated and right. only that which aligns with my identity, my thoughts, my value, my color, my wealth, my education, my understanding of the world, only those people are in my group and everything else is homogenized out. They're, right. they're separated. And so, so what let's, do we do with go, that? Let's go back to that, that perspective of how we develop value because it, it ties into what I'm saying. Is oh, that, we're still in sociology so, class. Go. We are. So we're still, but we're developing value system at the same time during that period of the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. You know, we we develop not only this sense of throw everything off and it's about me and I get to have my self-gratification. I don't care what it costs you, but I'm going to get my self-gratification. But at the same time, and this is not a rant against or anybody else or TV. It's just that people don't, I think, really do not understand at the same time became this intrinsic intrinsic communication media that they no longer had to picture in their mind. The radio was voice. And so when, you know, when they told stories and read stories and they did acting on the radio, they, you heard that, but your mind filled in all of the story and gave pictures to the storyline that was going on. Well, when we move from there to the visual, then we stopped, uh, stopped facilitating the imagination and our perceptions started to become what we were seeing consistently in front of us on this two-dimensional two at best. That became that that became the enculturator and the value development in so many people's lives because now there's this medium that consistently is telling me 
what I should believe in my perception. Okay, is, so jump from the Howdy Doody are, show and and Andy of Mayberry, which are still on Nickelodeon right, and right. MeTV. So jump from there to how do I get to devaluing people who are different from I am in the 2020s? Okay. I mean, because a ton of people who might be watching this weren't even born when 9-11-01 happened. So, I mean, in living color, we were able to watch the death of 3,000 people. Right. So, what happened is what has happened in that process. Let's let's just, uh, let's think about in the sense of desensitization, because now when you have received so much of this visualization that someone else has produced for you, and they have crafted their perspective of what you are going to see. Okay. So their value system is coming and to you. And why did they craft that? Why did they craft that image well, for they me craft, to see? They crafted it because they knew that it would uh, attract. It was, you know, the sexual stuff was erotic. Uh, the violence was motivational from the standpoint of excitement and adrenaline and mystery and all those kinds of things that were there. And yeah, but I watched Captain Kangaroo and he was really nice. There were other kids that grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and that was all crafted image as well, but the same value is behind the violent stuff you're talking about and Captain Kangaroo and Mr. Rogers uh, and, and Daniel Tiger today the same value behind that. Why was that crafted for me to watch and makes because me, draws me in so I'm almost addicted to it? Why was that because, done? Well, that was a lot of, I mean, just plain simple, had to do with what's sold. What sells? What? Economics. Are we following the money here? Watch. What's that? It was economics. Yeah, very much so. So we but, moved out of sociology into economics? No. Okay, students, not. put your notebook because, away. Get a different notebook out. No, we're in economics no. now. Keep the picking notebook out because we continue to talk. <laughs> Don't yell at me. You're not the boss yeah. of me. Oh, wait, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> Where's my pencil? But I need a pencil. Became... I got to take some notes here. That became, that became really the socialization factor that had powerful images on it. Then we went, at the same time as we were doing, we were now moving into more uh, graphic kinds of uh, visualization that was going on that took away. There was no, there really was no um, imagination. We not only were doing that on the entertainment side, which the entertainment side, which fed me, but now we started to do that on the news side. So today, you say, well, it's working because we have desensitized ourselves and we have pulled in a perception that has allowed us to desensitize to the point where. Uh, we have moved ourselves. I used to use that us to get into that us and that. Let me give you a really good example. Of this. People don't know this, but 
Google it, and you can Google you can Google the uh, uh, the storylines and what went on. There is a thing that is known in the military. They have uh, people that want to know this. They want to hear this. But what they don't understand is there is actually a school of subject that's called killology, and what happened between the Korean War and the Vietnam War was that uh, the, the army and the military found out that um, they were having the, the kill rate, which is, I mean, this is awful stuff, but the kill rate between the Korean War and the um, Vietnam War was dismal. Because the Korean War, they, they did, um, I mean, I can't remember the specific numbers, but it was something around when, when they would be in a battle, there would be a 5% kill rate or 10% kill rate. Got the Vietnam War, I think, and they had to figure out a way to fix that. So what? To make it a higher rate or a lower rate? Oh, real life. Higher rate, because if you're going to war, the only way you're going to win is to kill those guys, right? I mean, no. that's the idea here. No, that's not right. The enemy. You're going to kill the enemy. I, no, I understand that. But the actual way you win a war is you wound people and don't kill them. Because they can't leave a wounded comrade on the field. They've got to take them in. And now, if you have a dead soldier, you actually you can leave them there and, and they're dead. But if you wound All them. Right. No, no, no. No, wait, 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 wait. I'm going somewhere with this. If you wound them, uh, now you have uh, to draw them off. You. Right. So now you disable the enemy by having so many wounded people that you're trying to completely crush their systems. And, and okay. that, that, I mean, it's interesting to study. Right. It's because interesting. To, right. so, so the devalue of a person. So what is, happened, though, they had to figure out to get a higher kill rate. Fast okay. forward. So they, they did. Now, now, do you know how they got it? I have no idea. Video games. Oh, really? Okay, so do you remember, I'll give you, I'll give you a, um, a really good example of this. Do you remember when there was those two boys in Arkansas that were in the woods at this school and they shot and killed what seven people on the on the playground? Uh, I, I mean, this was clear back, you know, real back in the eighties, I think, or ninety. We're not talking about Columbine. Columbine was ninety nine. No, not Columbine. So this is before no, that. Two, these were two young men who were in the woods. that were a hundred and fifty yards away from the school grounds. A playground. And okay. they playgrounds, and they killed seven. I think wounded like four. Now, here's the fascinating thing about this. It's in this article. It's, 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 it's very fascinating. They had never fired a real gun. Okay. They never fired a real rifle. So their kill rate in the terminology was, uh, what, 89%, I believe, is what it was. In the number of times they fired and the number of people they killed, it was like 89%. The, the people were just baffled by this because they couldn't figure it out. Okay. So they called in 
guys from the military and asked them that were in charge of the School of Killology and asked them to help them figure out why their kill rate was so high. And what they discovered when they went to these guys' house. Now, this is not anti-plane, you know, Force 11 or whatever it is. And all sure it is. I have the same. solution. I have the solution. we got to find out who invented <laughs> video games and bring them up on crimes against humanity. Take them to the <gasps> Hague. Take them to the Hague and have them. We're going to have some of these video game players execute them. That's. Anyway. I think that's a good idea. Okay, so keep going. So that's how... Don't let me interrupt. Yeah, absolutely. That's how those guys were able to do it, because they had been playing okay. in those right. games. Go from there yeah. and use some yeah. tape and get that back to why don't people have a value of another opinion other than their own homogenized view? Because what's happened in that value system for us is that we come back to that whole thing. If we're talking about dignity of the person, we're talking about the fact that I can be other-oriented and I live in a culture that's other-oriented, far more than it's self-oriented. And whatever is the baseline that brings that about in my life and in my community, that we are other-oriented. Other Amish community, take a look at them. They're other-oriented. Why? Well, because they have a biblical, if you will, view that says this is how we live. And the other person, self-oriented, other-orientation is critical. When we allow... All right, but what, what you brought up Amish. So the question is, are they actually other-oriented or are they so self-oriented to their own homogenized group that they associate only with their own kind? And as I drive by Amish communities, children on bicycles, as I'm going by on my, on my car or my motorcycle or my truck, um, look at me like I'm an alien from an outside world and they do, and there's no interaction. They they are totally closed off from the world. Isn't okay. that the can, opposite example? You can answer that later. What we have done, though, regardless if we look at that, it doesn't really matter to me, is that when we have moved away from the other orientation of dignity of the other person, but now what's rushed into our lives over the last 50 years, the last 40, 60 years, we have become very, we have become so desensitized. You asked the question, why is it we can watch planes fly into the building, buildings crush? We know people are dying in there. And it's like, wow, that's great special effects. Because we've become so desensitized to real humanities. Why is it? But I so think that's really overgeneralized because the people that now I live in New York and you live in Washington. So for me as a New Yorker, I'm 400 miles from New York City. So I couldn't see the smoke. I couldn't hear the 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 sound of the planes, the the asbestos and all the stuff that was in those buildings didn't affect me at all. But I'm a New Yorker. So the way when when people I talk to who who had never seen a person die, they were moved to tears to a gripping uh, horror of the events of those days. And our church became a prayer center that was, was a magnet for people coming in, holding hands, weeping together, never seen each other. There was a sense of community that came in almost instantaneously from the night of 9-11, 2001, which many people watching may be too young to even 
have an idea of that. It the the ob the optics of it created a sense of a need for community that lasted for months, but eventually it dissolved. And now we're at a place where people don't even want to watch that anymore. It's like, okay, that's old news. Uh, I don't want there's that doesn't affect me. This is why one of the reasons why I like you. Gotcha. Because you just proved my point. And why did you prove my point? How did I prove your point? Not why. Why is because I really love you and I want to prove your points. But how did I do that? How did you prove your point? How did you prove my point? You just I don't know. My point. Oh, you just said it. We went from perception to reality. Okay. So in 9-11, in New York, hit the buildings, buildings crashed. For you folks in that part of the world, and for me too, I might add, I was sick. I was devastated because I've been to New York City. I, I was there in the trade towers where they topped them out. Um, so that was tangible to me. That was real. Okay. It was not something that I had that my perceptions had been changed over the years about this just being a backdrop to a good movie or some other thing. It became real to me. And okay. so all of a sudden, when it became real, then my perceptions changed because now it's affecting me deeply. But when, now you say, well, but now it's like, that's no big deal. Why? Because the redundancy of it coming back into my life and back into my life and back into my life has changed my value system that says, oh, one day a year, we're quiet for 60 minutes or 60 seconds or whatever it is, and we're good with that. Move on. So emotionally, in our emotional systems, what would we call that? I mean, where would we place all of that kind of thing? That's what we talk about all the time. But because we have allowed those things and we... We, you and I have talked multiple times about people not seeing things, you know, not observing things. It's like, how can you not see that? Because we have allowed ourselves to continue to be socialized and with that perception of what I see in front of me. And so when things become more real graphically, when things are now put on the news that we would have never because the dignity of those individuals is being lost by being beamed literally all over the world. People are putting things on social media that are unbelievable. And the level of, you know, self-deprivation and not having any self-respect. Why is that? Because now we're desensitizing and we just think what I'm doing is I'm putting it on here and Four of my friends are seeing, and all of a sudden, you got you know 1.5 million views of something you didn't want anybody to see. Well, but then that that whole aspect causes me to develop a perception that turns into my value system that says 9/11. Yeah, it was really awful. But, you know, there's whole things that are a lot more awful than that because I keep seeing them and they keep inundating me on a consistent basis. Okay. And it keeps degrading my system, my value system, 
of dignity for the other individual. Okay, so the first question that we've posed in this podcast, which we've been posing in every podcast since history began, is right. what is this doing to me? So we've beaten that one to death. I mean, the reality is people say, yeah, desensitize me. I don't value other people as much. I live in a homogenized group. Everyone that is in my group is like me in some fashion. Okay, so we beat that one to death. And if you want to talk about it more, write some questions or whatever, we can entertain that. But there's a second question that we really haven't gotten to, and it is, what do I do with that? So if a person says, okay, I'm not changing my value system. I'm I'm not even going to address that. I like my homogenized group. makes me feel good, and I feel safe when I'm among my own kind. And so when everyone responds back to me, in the same way that I put out, then I'm confirmed, I'm affirmed, I'm I'm reinforced, I, I'm good with that. And when somebody pushes back, that person is an enemy. That that kind of person is destroying my my reverie here, my little enclave or big enclave, and trying to say your viewpoint is wrong. That's an enemy to me, and I don't value that. So I, I don't value diversity. I value the division. I value the division. That's right. what really happened yesterday or Wednesday exactly. of this week when there was a group of people supporting the previous administration, uh, a small number out of 330 million people, and even out of the 70 million that voted for Donald Trump, there's a very, very small, slender, tiny sliver that has this evaluation of we're going to win regardless of what we need to do to accomplish that, dismissing the law, dismissing the Constitution, dismissing the vote of the people. That's all lies. I don't believe any of it. It's part of the conspiracy. How does a person get there and what do they do with that? When that's the viewpoint, it is now, it's not just I value other people who hold the same opinion. This is now my culture. This is my identity. What do I do with that? And from the ordinary person's point of view, that there isn't much diversity in their actual lives. They live in neighborhoods with people all like them, white or black, poor or rich, uh, educated or uneducated, um, world travelers or not world travelers. Everyone lives in some kind of setting that is so lacking in diversity. Many people, not everybody, but so many people do. I watch shows on television that are just like me. I, I don't travel much. I don't get out. And when I do, I stay with my own. I stay with my own kind. What am I supposed to do with that? If I want to change my value from division to diversity, and the pendulum is going to swing ever so that direction, maybe one step we need to I'll finish my question because that's really hard to follow if I don't finish the question. And if I keep interrupting myself, then it's even worse. <laughs> so I understand. So how do I change a value of another single person or a group of people or the world at large from 
I resent the division to I celebrate the diversity. So the question, I think what one of the questions is, what actually is division and what actually is diversity? So which one of those do you want to try and define? I already spent 30 minutes doing the first one and you've been doing nothing besides heckling me. It's like, you need to start answering some questions. If I was going to heckle, I would make a sign and I would hold it up and get on YouTube. Oh, sorry. I am on YouTube. YouTube. (laughs) So division. No, you didn't. You didn't explain division. I, I didn't say I explained it. Yeah, you spent 30 minutes yapping about some kind of sociological economics that has to do with how how watching stop how watching howdy doody in black and white ruined the world i understand that you know you're so anal sometimes i can hardly stand it it's awful that's that is a freudian term and most people have no idea what you're talking about i unfortunately do and i disagree with your assessment nonetheless if you want to know what we're talking about get pause then go to Google and go and Google anal retentive. It is not just anal. It is anal retentive. Anyway, when you're back, hit unpause and you'll pick up this conversation right here. I hate it when people use psychological terms and only cool half of them. So division, division. so division is when two different viewpoints create enmity. There's a there's a hatred. There's a there is conflict that says one side to the other. I will not listen to you. I will not appreciate your thoughts. I will not listen. And that's we're calling that division. Diversity recognizes that there are differences of opinion, slight or major, doesn't matter, but those differences are celebrated as valuable to me. You do not hold the same viewpoint that I hold on many, many different topics. And that makes our relationship rich, it's engaging, it's uh, exciting, because we'll stop listening long enough to actually listen and hear and then consider, here's your viewpoint. Do I understand it correctly? You get to explain. And I say, I don't agree with that. I don't hold that opinion, but I respect that you do. Now we have diversity. And if we can get there on an individual basis, skip the whole world. We're not going to be able to solve that. But on an individual basis, my brother or sister sitting at the dining table with me or that we have a conversation or we're walking in the park or we're going on an activity together and there is something that actually is different. We have a choice in that moment. Does that divide me in, in discord or do I celebrate the diversity? If I celebrate it, if I'm joyful over the difference, I'm gonna let you express, I'm not gonna try and change your viewpoint, and I may not even counter it. 
but it doesn't mean that I have to agree with it or go to your side. It merely means what you're offering in our relationship is as valuable as what I bring into our relationship. And when we see that they're different, but we celebrate that, we have diversity and not division. I think that's probably the solution. Well, and I think one of the things that we were talking about this as you guys are watching and listening is that I want to make sure that you understand when we talk about diversity, we're talking about it in this form of what Mike just described. The, the, the tendency is going to be, even when we use that word, and I was going to say this a long time ago when you use that word, is that that, that tends to be a word that's, that people look as being uh, a social, you know, socialist, socialist word, a word that diversity, liberal word, diversity. Yeah, diversity tends to be seen as like tolerance. That's gotten, or maybe not in your world, but not in our world. That's a very real thing. Okay. And so, but what you're talking about is exactly as holistic that understanding of what that means. It doesn't mean diversity means that I have no value systems. I have no principles. I have. You know, I just take whatever, whenever, and I'm happy with that. And oh, by the way, you know, I'm going to take your stuff so I can make you happy. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're not going to stand for anything, really, because we're diverse. You know, I mean, you see the bumper stickers. I don't know if you've seen the bumper. Maybe you don't have them out there. But the bumper stickers that have all the different um, pictures of religious organizations you know, and it says that spell out coexist. Yeah, I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the mindset people have about diversity. And I'm going, no, we're not talking in that sense of a religious or political or whatever. Well, we are, but we're not. We're talking in a much more holistic. We are, but we're not. So we're talking, we're talking about both about, sides of our mouth at the same time. Absolutely. We're we're talking about it in a much more holistic perspective of what you're sharing. Is that we hold, we hold that, but the bottom line is that because we have a sense of other orientation and sacredness for each other, having those conversations does not bother me because we don't hold the same views on everything. Uh, I mean, we, if nothing else today, while watching this podcast, I hope that's become obvious. You know, you know we have literal and hard discussions that we're not afraid to have because we that it's important for us that there's real richness of what you're saying. I like that term is that do I see my life being richer and fuller because I'm willing to engage with somebody in diversity, not in division, so that I can continue to grow and learn and to be someone that can make a difference in this world without being, you know, without the anger and the bitterness and, you know, all of the stuff that goes with that side of, I'm going to protect my own and I don't care what you think. That becomes incredibly destructive. And I think that in of itself is what shook people so much, particularly, uh, particularly people in the Capitol on Wednesday was that perspective of it shook them, rocked them because they saw something they'd never seen before and they didn't know what to do with that right? Uh, because they had 
many of them have caused that, I mean, were, were part of the impetus of motivation for that to come together. And then all of a sudden they're realizing, wait a minute, this is not who we want to be. Right. This is ugly. You know, we don't want this kind of thing. And this is not us. But so they were having to do a lot of self so, But there may be people who say that what we saw in the Capitol was so ugly. And there are other people who saw the exact same image and said, finally, somebody is standing up to the liberals right. that are running this world and the super elites that are destroying everything. And if it comes down to war, then by golly, we really need to have that. And I value winning more than I value right. listening. Exactly. So, exactly. so we got there. So at Thanksgiving tables, at least in my family, and maybe it's true in yours as well, there are three topics about which we are not permitted to talk. Politics, religion, and money. You're not allowed to talk about those three things. The reality is those three topics are where so much of the division that the animosity, the hatred that has occurred, and even within what we call the Christian community, the whole issue of Jesus Christ is the only way to God. And if you don't believe that, the issues are eternal. So I have to win that conversation. If you hold a different view, I can't celebrate that. You have to be wrong. I have to be right. That's division that we haven't addressed that. In politics, if you don't support Donald Trump, the whole world is going to be lost. If we go back to Barack Obama, we go on to Joe Biden, everything we've ever known is going to be destroyed. I have to win this one with money. The people who have accumulated all the wealth of the world, 10 people own more than 90%, 98%, 67%. The numbers keep changing. And the problem of money, I can't go to a movie because some super rich guy has $700 trillion in his stock portfolio. That's why I can't get ahead. If I don't win this one, the stakes are too high. And I think where we're not getting to is when the stakes are at that level, how do I address my value of you as a person when your viewpoint is in conflict with mine? And I make every subject we talk about fall into one of those three. Falls into religion, falls into politics, falls into money. And I can't think of another issue that has more divisive, automatic divisiveness than those three topics. I mean, there's tons of topics, but but those three are the ones that become the true division, the split, the hatred, the animosity, the refusal to respect the dignity and value of racial conflicts, East and West, educated, uneducated, sexuality, all of those things come down to politics, religion, and money. Somehow they come down to that. So the question then is, what do we do with that? Do we do that in another podcast? Are people we are like going to worn do out? Episode, we're going to do that in episode 12, which is our next podcast, because that is a podcast in itself. And we want you to come back and we're going to continue this conversation. 
so that you can grip reality because that's what we're trying to help people do to understand. So some people watching at the conclusion of this podcast are saying, these guys are crazy. I don't want that. I don't want that in my life. Okay, so we did not convince you. But some of you are saying, I do that. When there's a difference, I have made it a division instead of a diversity. We're using all D words so you can remember what we're talking about. <laughs> so, can I write so that down? The next time you're on Facebook or in a conversation or you're talking to your brother or sister, your mom or your dad or anybody, a neighbor, a stranger, and there's a difference, you get to choose, is this going to be a division or is this going to be a diversity that I can celebrate the richness of my life or I have to win this one? Right. So if you don't agree with that, we've lost you or we never had you. But if you do, here's the skill. Sense the difference. Choose diversity rather than division. And in a moment, if you say, you know, I could do that. Do you need to? Just should you? We don't use those words. Can you? And will you? And will you? That's exactly right. So, you can visit us at gripinreality.com, and you can get a hold of us at... You can send an email to Mike at grippingreality.com. And you can spell Mike with an I, meaning the other guy, or with a Y, meaning this guy. And it doesn't matter. You don't have to put West Coast Mike, East Coast Mike. You don't have to do any of that. You don't or need that. our last names. You can put Mike at grippingreality.com, either one of us, and we share the email. So no matter what you write to Mike with an I or write Mike to it with a Y, we're going to read the email. It just makes it easier on you so that you right. can send an email to us. And then we'll take those topics and we'll investigate. That's really what we're trying to do in Gripping Reality right. is give you not only something to think about, but some skills that you can put into practice or at least right. try that will improve the quality of your life. That's really what we're all about. Exactly. All right. So have a good one. Until next time. Episode all right. 12. Episode 12 we'll is coming up. All right.